The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? returning member from last week's show because I'm the only reliable person that is here, Sam Long, and I am joined by our special co-host today, Cody Rock Resident Expert Totten. Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Well, Cody, thank you so much for joining the show on short notice because my peers cannot be bothered to be on time. (laughs) (laughs) It is that way sometimes. Yep, I know it is the hardest thing to do is to prop an entire thing that two people listen to on one's back. So, please <laughs> and Gavin, I wish you a very happy whatever the fuck you're doing right now. <laughs> I can't be too mad to Beans. Beans is getting married in two months. Yeah, planning a wedding is like pretty uh, intense, I've heard. I wouldn't know. And you know what? If I wouldn't help plan it either, I would stay out of the way. That's what I would do. That's fair. But his wedding's during Red River. How crazy is that? That's like the second time. I mean, that would never happen for any of my friends. They don't have weddings during football season. Well, I know because you guys are a bunch of OU fans. I'm just saying this is the second wedding I've been in during Red River, like the Red River week. Yeah. Same. I mean, usually the weather's like pretty nice, if not maybe a bit hot sometimes. So I kind of get it. it. I still think early October, is, you're rolling the dice early October. That's, yeah. Like, you never know. Is it the wedding's October 7th, or maybe it's October 8th? I don't really. Whatever that Saturday is. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, dude, it is hot like for the entire month of September. Yeah. Like October 7th is probably gonna be hot. Wouldn't be the first hot wedding I've had though, so oh well. Well, Cody, as mentioned, you are an Oklahoma fan. And as an Oklahoma fan, you are directly responsible for all the bad things that are happening to the Pac-12 right now and potentially the ACC in the future. Big news from today being that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah looking to move to the Big 12 in lockstep, not official or anything, but that's the rumor. Other rumor being Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal looking to go to the Big 10. And Florida State wants to get out of the ACC, presumably to either the Big Ten or the SEC. You in Texas really fucked shit up two years ago leaving the Big 12, and now it is going to absolutely fuck up the rest of college football and college athletics. How do you plea? I mean, I'll say, first of all, this is definitely Texas's fault. 
And if Texas jumped off a bridge, you know OU would be right there jumping off next. So, going to put that there. Yeah, Oklahoma as a whole state is, like, pretty much a wannabe Texas. So, there's that. Um, But I will say, as far as the Pac-12, or the, yeah, I just, like, kind of have never really seen them as, like, a legitimate Power 5 conference anyway. Um, If we're fair, if we're, like, really honest about it, like... I mean, what have they done in the past 10 years, like, for real? I don't know. One playoff appearance by Oregon eight years ago, I think, is what we have. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of their teams recently, they don't have, and this is going to sound rich coming from an OU fan, but they don't have the finish. Like, the teams that they think are going to go to the playoffs, they never even win their own conference. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't think, as far as I'm concerned, who cares about them? You know, um, so. like, I know that USC is the one going to the Big Ten, right? But like, it feels like USC has been riding off 2005, like 2004, 2005, like Pete Carroll era, like stuff. Yeah, Reggie yeah. Bush shit still like. Like, we still talk about that. Like, that isn't like almost 20 years ago, right? Like, yeah, it's insane how much cachet they have. And like, who are the other so I, I do need to make an amendment. Washington actually made the playoff, I believe, in 2016. So six years, what two playoffs, eight and six years ago. To be fair to the Pac-12, but at the same time, it's like Oregon's like not what they were back in the early 2010s. Washington, like, was pretty good under Chris Peterson, but they're not, like, world beaters or anything. Utah is pretty much just, like, the Pac-12's TCU. And, like, Stanford's been irrelevant for, like, five years. <laughs> like, who else yeah. is doing heavy lifting in there? Well, and, I mean, even, like, USC, like, last year, first of all, I'm, like, pretty ho- salty about that whole situation anyway. Like, Lincoln right. Riley is the goddamn worst. But, um, I don't know. Everybody's talking about how they were going to be such a good team. And then, like, they beefed it at the end and didn't even get to go to a playoff. So, I mean, I'm not that worried. So, I think the ACC will be a little bit more stuff. interesting. Oh, I'm I'm sorry for speaking of you. Go uh, make your... Final point again. I just think the ACC will be like a little bit more interesting because a lot of those teams I think are like maybe a little bit more inclined, like style of play wise, SEC. So I could see some of them going there, um, especially for like basketball season and things like that. Not, maybe not mm-hmm. so much football season. Um, but hopefully the Big Ten doesn't get too many more teams because honestly, at some point, conferences do get too big and then it's why have them yeah i think so i think a lot of what's going on right now and i think where we're barreling towards eventually is we're probably gonna see the big 10 and the sec hold hands and like walk away from the sec and just kind of do their own thing not with the NCAA, which means K-State could actually win a national title in something at some point, which, you know, fair. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like 
the disintegration of the sport is upon us. And I feel like it ends one of two ways. Either the Big Ten schools and the SEC schools just go, leave, do their own thing, uh, license their own shit, like, what, whatever. Or everything's still under the NCAA, but, like, the Big Ten and the SEC kind of just become, like, new Division One. Maybe the Big 12 sneaks in there for funsies. I have no idea. But it, it feels like, to me, Pac-12 is, like, going to probably not be a thing in a year, which is sad, but, you know, whatever. Business is business, I guess. And, like, really, what is the ACC without Florida State and Clemson, right? Like, what is yeah. that conference? So it, it feels like an opportunity for the SEC and the Big Ten to kind of carve out what they want from that conference, like your Miamis, your Clemsons, your North Carolinas, your Florida States, your Virginias, and then the Big 12 kind of goes and says, hey, look, uh, Pitt and West Virginia used to be in a conference together. Let's grab Pitt. So, I don't know. Unprecedented times we live in. It really is, and I think, like, it'll be interesting to see what some of the independents do in that sort of landscape. Like, is Notre Dame going to be able to keep out of a conference? Probably not, if that's the way things go. I think with Notre Dame, the big thing with them is how much is NBC going to actually pay Notre Dame to stay independent when they can lump them into, like, the Big Ten and pay them roughly the same, but make the Big Ten contract, like, so much more valuable. Because, like, if you get Notre Dame the conference, like, let's... Let's say you pay Notre Dame $70 million, right? And the Big Ten schools are getting paid about $70 million. Well, your Big Ten contract is a lot more valuable if you're showing games with Notre Dame and USC and Notre Dame and Wisconsin and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Notre Dame and Michigan. Like Getting those games on your TV contract and only having to pay, like, you know, them for individual and, like, guaranteeing those type of games is a lot more valuable than, like, paying two separate things. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think, too, like, with the SEC, I'm actually a little bit excited. I think it'll be interesting with the pod play and stuff. But uh, the SEC for a while now has been able to, these, like, late-in-the-season play pretty terrible football teams um, and get away with it and i think with the conference size expanding they're just not going to be able to do that um which i think is going to be good for everybody else because that's like shitty i i do question and i wonder if it has something to do because i know that espn has lost a lot of money recently you can Evidently see that with all the cuts between, you know, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson and uh, Stacey Colbert and Steve Young. Like, everyone who got cut a couple weeks ago, or not a couple weeks ago, it was about a month, month and a half ago, 
Like you can kind of tell that ESPN like isn't exactly operating in the black financially at the current moment. And I kind of wonder if the SEC wanted to go to nine games, but doesn't want to get paid the same amount they're getting paid right now for just nine conference games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that's something that'll come in on the horizon, but I think as of now, it's just eight conference games for, for funsies until, until ESPN, you know, can actually pay it. Yeah, fair. It'll be interesting too, because now Longhorn Network isn't really going to be a thing. So where those TV rights go and how those got, I don't know too much about the deal, but how those got packaged into SEC Network will be interesting. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not too familiar with this, you know. Gavin and Beans think I'm some sort of genius because I like, you know, go on Twitter and read stuff for about 10 minutes. They could be geniuses too if they just spend a year and 10 minutes a day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so. yeah honestly the money part of football is like the worst part of it so absolutely so i think we should transition into you know the good part of football the actual football of the football and as forementioned, you are an oklahoma fan and this is a unique opportunity to uh you know see through the lens of expectations for an oklahoma fan coming off of one of the worst seasons they've had in like the last 20 years. Um, yeah, I mean, as always before football season, um, really excited. It's been, I mean, all the hype videos are starting to come out and, um, I was in Norman not too long ago when they were starting football camp and so all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's like always very exciting because football in the fall in Norman is just the best thing ever. Um, but it is a little interesting this year because it does feel like there's not this huge weight of expectation. Like there is normally like normally this time of year, we're thinking, okay, if the team plays well, we go to the playoffs, like, you know, every year. Um, and this year coming off, like honestly, such a terrible season. Um, like not that we'd be happy with a 10 win season. Cause like, Two, I don't know, you should win 10 games every year. Um, but it does feel like there's a little bit more like opportunity as opposed to expectation, uh, which is kind of new because we just normally have good seasons every year. So, Yeah, so I think that's one interesting aspect and one kind of thing that I would like for you to extrapolate upon because, you know, Gavin Beans and I are all K-State fans. All of our listeners are usually K-State, KU fans. Even if they're not, they're from schools that, you know, kind of are fringe conference contender type of folks. You know, Oklahoma has won a bajillion Big 12 titles. They More won than, like, yeah, yeah, like a bajillion plus one. They won like, you know, five or six in a row. Like, kind of, I, I know last year obviously wasn't like the best season for Oklahoma, but kind of explain like as a fan like what it's like to kind of have those expectations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, we really don't explain that question, but when we kind of talked about this, not that long ago at that Rose game, like it is this very much this idea that like every game is important. And so, you know, as you go along in the season and you're winning and you have to win the next game, it becomes more important because, you know, a loss later in the season is, you know, super detrimental 
And if you lose early in the season, it's very much you have to win out. Like, that's just how it is. You get one loss, and that's the most you can have and still, you know, have an up-to-par, you know, bowl season, really, and championship season. Um, So definitely every year come November, which we call it championship November every year, but um, it does get, like, the games are more stressful than they are fun. Like, I definitely would not say being an OU fan is like a super fun thing. Um, It's fun after you win and look back on it. Then it's like super fun. But actually at the games, it's kind of stressful, especially the way OU is like they could blow any lead out there, but they could also come back 28 points in the fourth quarter. So it's like very much the game is never over either way. And that's always very stressful. So, yeah. I, I always get a kick out of you and I talking about kind of the disparity of where the two teams we root for are because I I suppose I get upset whenever we lose a game because, like, you know, I, I want to try and make the conference title game because that's really kind of the goal is to get to that game to give ourselves an opportunity to uh, make it to those type of games. But, like... <laughs> Kind of one of, I, I think one of the opposite things from us is like, you know, K-State loses to Tulane this year, or this past year. And in hindsight, that's not like the worst loss like of all time because Tulane actually ended up being pretty good. But like you guys losing to Tulane, you almost did it. You guys almost lost to Tulane the year prior. Well, there was like not that long ago we lost to Houston first game of the season, and it's like yeah. okay, well now the season just got a lot more stressful. Well, yeah, and for you guys, like that turns the stress level like all the way up in terms of that. The rest, this like the next eleven to twelve games are super stressful for you, and like for me, I'm angry that we lost the game, and like annoyed. And then, like, a week later, it's like, well, we can still make the Big 12 title game because that game doesn't mean anything in the standings. And I I guess it's always a fun little thing because it's like, you guys are out here trying to win national titles, and I want to win national titles, but, like, I don't get to actually believe that that's a thing until, like, we get eight games undefeated into the season, if that ever happens. So yeah. I always kind of find that a fun little dynamic. It's definitely interesting. Um, and the past two years have been interesting too, because like we, it's just expected that you at least get to the title game. Like that's not really even a goal necessarily. Um, but the last two years have been interesting because it uh, hasn't really been us. So it's been kind of, I wouldn't say fun, but you know, it's been interesting to watch how other programs kind of deal with that. A little bit um so yeah what kind of what are you looking for this season out of oklahoma you got any like you know names players you're looking to break out you know you're looking for what you look yeah for i mean it's kind of hard we lost a lot of our line uh to the draft um so that is always i mean it happens every year but you know that's always like is the next group gonna you know step up and I think uh, Dylan Gabriel maybe needs a little bit better line than some of the quarterbacks we've had in the past. 
Um, so it's a little bit more of a concern this year, but I'm really excited. We got a tight end back, a Stogner transferred back. And the way OU's offense is, um, they have to have a pretty good tight end. Otherwise, it kind of just stalls. Um, so having that kind of safety valve, and Dylan Gabriel definitely needs that. He's just, I'm hoping that in the offseason, he's worked on his decision making, like the speed of it. And I know mm-hmm. coming from, you know, not really power five. Uh, maybe I guess they're power five now, but uh, conference <laughs> member, conference mate, UCF. Do you guys play UCF this year? Yeah, but like Hypel's uh, their coach, hometown. right? Huh? Hypel's their coach, right? Hypel was their coach coach uh, a couple years ago. He's he's been at Tennessee for two seasons now. Gus Malzahn is their coach of all people. Well, it is kind of interesting because it's like, I don't know, people we've fired, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, came from a smaller school, not as well looked at. And you can tell in how long it takes them to get the ball out. Like, you just can tell. Not used to linebackers coming at him that fast. So I'm hoping he's mm-hmm. gotten better at that in the offseason. I'm hoping that Venables has shorn up the defense a little bit more. That's been kind of the Achilles heel for us for a while now. Um, so we'll see. And they've made some moves. Like, hopefully they don't lose the offensive coordinator two weeks before the season starts this year. Um, so kind of, I'm hoping that the culture that Venables is trying to put in has like stabilized. Um, I'm, and it's not so much about breakout players. We have those every year. I'm kind of expecting all of the starters to be breakout players. That's how it works at OU. Um, the backfield should be good, but I'm really hoping that they can just clean up the off of the field nonsense and, you know, really stabilize the program after the last two years. Yeah. But if he has a bad season, he'll probably get fired. Yeah, that was my next question. Is Venables the guy? What, what does Brett Venables have to do to not lose his job? I mean, he has to win 10 games. Like, maybe you get one year where, okay... It's your first year. You get a little bit of leeway, but like we are not looking to rebuild. We weren't terrible to begin with. So, yeah, he needs to live up to what OU does every year. And that's 10 wins, probably a conference championship. I mean, obviously, they won't fire him if he doesn't get that, but he needs to at least be in the conversation. Beat Texas. He he needs to redeem himself for last year because that was just absolutely... Horrifying. Cody, I know that we're oh. friends, but that game was very funny. Yeah. Um, like, that game was very funny. <laughs> I could see how it would be funny to somebody that um, well, doesn't win okay. a lot of conferences. You know, you so, it's rooting against Goliath, you know. Here's the it. thing, though. That game was really funny, but, like, if it was only doing that, the Texas would be equally as funny. I... Yeah. Only when I watch that game, especially the last two years, it's usually I'm just hoping one of you guys, either OU or Texas, like completely embarrasses themselves. <laughs> That's usually what I'm rooting for. Because um, when Texas blew that lead against you guys, that was also really funny. 
Well, and it's always interesting playing Texas. The Cotton Bowl, first of all, is just needs maintenance. It's just fucking falling down, um, which is wild. Like there was one year where they like the clock stopped working, and so they just gave Texas an extra fifty seconds, and then we went into four overtimes because of it. Like, so it's always you never know what's going to happen there. You know what? Full circle moment though. I'm like ninety nine percent sure. That was the uh, game, the other game at the wedding that was at. With, uh, that was Cody Jackson's wedding. I'm like almost for certain that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it's on full circle. Yeah, it's it's just one of those. Yeah, I mean, we always root for Texas to embarrass themselves. Those two years that they lost to KU were just glorious. And say what you want about OU having a bad season, we didn't. We still haven't lost to KU two years in a row, so we got that at least. Oh man, those were uh, those were good times. I am doing that last year too. That was really, or I guess that it, it's two years ago now. God, time flies. I I, I was at a uh, Lincoln Street, not Lincoln Street, um, the bowling alley. Excuse me, I was at the bowling alley for that game. I was talking to uh, Jacob Katzenberg's mom, and like people were singing karaoke. <laughs> Yeah, that was the game. Wasn't that when just before Sam Ellinger had been doing that shit at West Virginia? The like, we're back nonsense. Oh. And then they immediately lost to KU. Which is so funny. That might have been the next season. I do not remember exactly the timeline of events. The Okay, so the KU loss, I know... So the first one happened in 16, which means that the other one happened in 20. I think that's the timeline. I th- maybe, I don't know. doesn't really matter, honestly. It's yeah. funny that KU beat Texas twice. And K-State hasn't done it in six years, which makes it sad. I mean... It is what it is, I guess. I think it's interesting that everybody is saying, you know, kind of talking Texas up about going to the SEC a little bit more than OU because it's just a little bit like, okay. I, I think I we're all that- just kind of rooting for Texas to look. I, I, I think it's really just all everyone hates Texas and they really want them to fall flat on their face. I think it would be so funny, though, because Texas plays Georgia at Texas next year and OU plays Bama at OU I think it would be absolutely hysterical if Texas beats Georgia and obviously I hope OU beats Bama obviously but I just think that would be so funny I, I think the crazy thing that people forget and I look I don't know how much the recruiting and like everything has changed since 2000 you know like 10 11 12 it's been 10 years it's obviously shifted but all the teams that left the Big 12, like Nebraska went to like a Big 10 championship game in the first like two or three years that they were there. Missouri went to two of them after the first uh, the first two years they were in the SEC. I believe they made the uh, title game. And then like A&M was like good. They weren't, you know, Bama good because Bama – but A&M, like, you know, was right there. They beat Alabama with Johnny Manziel and a bunch of Big 12 football players. So, I mean, like, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, like, 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Big Twelve is just more advanced than the SEC back then. I don't know, but like the Big Twelve had a lot of, or ex Big Twelve teams had a lot of victories early on in their time at the conference, and then obviously it petered out, especially for Nebraska. So I don't know. Maybe you guys will do the impossible. Texas almost beat Bama last year, so. Well, it's just one of those things that it's not really impossible. It's just the SEC. So yes, the SEC. I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a little bit surprised that like uh, K State fans and Oklahoma State fans, for that matter, aren't a little bit happier. I mean, obviously the money situation is what it is, but like you guys have a way better shot at championships now. I feel like I would oh, be happy I, about that. I uh, I am. So I have been like doing a thought experiment in my head. And, you know, if, let, let's just say that it's like, you know, the eight teams that were in the Big 12, and then you add, you know, the four that are coming in this year, and then you add, like, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. I'm, like, sitting there, and I'm like, who the fuck is going to win this conference? Like, <laughs> like do you, it's, it's like spinning a wheel at that point. Like, I know that Colorado and Arizona haven't been, like, good or anything. But, like, you just look at it, and it's like, who in the hell is going to win this conference? And then if, like, Florida State and Clemson left the ACC, and, like, you got to assume the playoff structure stays the same and everything, and it's like, you know, top six conference champs get a bid. But, like, the thing is, is, like, the top six conference champs get the bid, and, like, the top four conference champions get the one to four seed. It's like, does the team that win the big 12 just get like the three seed just for reasons? Like, you know what I mean? I mean like, is K-State going to win like fucking nine? They're going to go like eight and four, win the conference title and be ranked like in like 16th or something. And then they're going to be like the three or the four seed in the playoff. And it's just like, what? It'll be interesting. I think it, I kind of like the like emphasis on conference championships though, because honestly, if you don't even win your conference, like, do you really need to be there? You know, I, I don't personally know. personally think that they're going to absolutely like. Excellent. They're going to have to gut it. I mean, the best, now there's just more good teams and conferences so the the reason for the six was like oh we have the five power conferences and like the aac is usually pretty good and has at least one good team so like oh we can just kind of do that and then and then like the acc and the pac-12 just might not exist and suddenly you're getting like a team from the mountain west or like the mac in in the tournament and it's like well so you gotta gotta watch out for those mountain west teams though they can surprise you oh yeah (laughs) play bullshit fucking 2007 boise state baby oh man you guys had adrian peterson and lost a bunch of broncos (laughs) to be fair it was adrian peterson's first like game back after breaking his collarbone so in all fairness and that was the defense's fault, anyway. Doug, I go back every year and rewatch that last drive. That last drive. Have you ever rewatched that game? 
Yeah, they played it on TV for like a while. Oh my God, Cody, that, I don't, so like, yeah, you guys get down like 21 nothing or 28-7 or whatever the fuck it was, but oh my God, that last like two minutes in overtime is just like the stuff of absolute like screenwriter, like, like Hollywood bullshit. It, it was like a, it's like in an anime when like the protagonist like just does things. That's what it felt like. Boise State was the anime protagonist. It really is like I feel like OU does this in every single like meaningful game, postseason game. They just like believe in handicaps, I guess. So they just spot the other team points. Like they just like that uh, Orange Bowl. They just like spotted Alabama twenty eight points. Like I don't know why they do that. But they do all the time. It's like, ugh. That hook and ladder still just has me bef- <laughs> befuddled. Do you remember the name of the quarterback? Like, is that etched? It's etched into my head. Um, I can him? picture him. Yeah, because he was <laughs> he's on the uh, cover of NCAA Jared Zabransky. <laughs> Yeah, I have pretty much um, erased that name from my memory. Uh, well, now you know it again. Nah. I, I can't remember the uh, running back's name, though. It's like Ian something. Ugh. He, I, I just remember. I remember I went to the Fiesta Bowl for Boise State versus TCU like years later. And uh, we we sat in the Boise State section, and my dad asked, like, what happened to him? And she was like, oh, he just, like, works in Boise now. Like, Yeah, he's just, like, a normal person. Yeah, he's just a normal dude. He just, like, sells insurance or whatever because, like, his NFL career just kind of petered out. He he went to the Vikings. Him and Adrian Peterson were teammates. Yeah. That must have been a time. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're like Adrian Peterson, you can't care too much because like you're making money playing football. Like, oh yeah, he's he's not. <laughs> well, he's not anymore, but at the time, Adrian Peterson lost so much money. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. So, sorry to Adrian Peterson. AD, not AP. Oh, that is one of my pet peeves, though. Is when people call him AP. It's like, hello. It's not right. It's AD. It's not right. AD. All day. Speaking of all day, that is what you would have to do to watch the next Women's World Cup game is stay up all day and all night in order to watch America play Sweden, two of the top uh, women's soccer teams in the nation. It will kick off at Four in the goddamn morning, I think, Central Time. It could be Eastern, and I really hope it's not. Cody, are you getting up to watch this game? Honestly, I might. Um, I get up that early to watch Formula One races every now and again, so it's you know not not too bad, I don't think. Um, but, yeah. when I think the women's soccer has been really interesting. Like, all of the articles that have been coming out, I don't know if you've read them about ACL tears. And how, like, prevalent they are in women's soccer now. And they've already had, like, three people on teams tear their ACL in the World Cup. And a bunch of people sidelined that didn't even make their national teams because 
their ACLs are torn. Like it's just I kind of anything about this. Like, did they tr- did they tear them like during or like leading up to? Well, there was a few that like leading up to, you know, and so now that they're just you know basically on IR. Um, but then there's been some that like literally in the World Cup games have torn their ACL, and I guess it's like this thing that happens in women's soccer like all the time. Really? Really? Yeah, I didn't know about it, but it's like really interesting. I guess the the way that they've like almost doubled the number of games that they play like so quickly, and then they don't oh. have the same. Yeah, and then they don't have the same like training, you know, resources because they just don't make money um they don't have the same resources that like men's teams do so they're not like physically prepared to be playing that many games at that level so it's kind of interesting see i was almost wondering if it was like something to do with like the gate you know what i mean with the the running gate and whether or not that was just like something that might put more stress on the acl but i guess that make that makes more sense just kind of the lack of ramping up to because i mean i know i know like obviously high profile men's soccer like i mean that's like an all freaking year thing and everyone's playing like a bajillion games <laughs> that's i didn't know that see this is why we have you on cody because yeah. you who bring the facts and you know why you bring the facts because you actually read <laughs> well and like that's why that uh in the u.s uh netherlands game um I forget her name, Haran or whatever her name was. That sounds right, yeah. Um, that is part of why she got so pissed off by that like challenge that hurt her knee is because that is how they like they tear their ACLs, and because yeah. it is so prevalent. And that was her teammate that like kind of bowled into her like that. Like that's why she got so mad is because like all of the women playing like know that ACLs are you know, kind of the bane of women's soccer, I guess. So I would yeah. never have guessed that in a million years. I, you know, the other fun, uh, fun takeaway, golly walked myself into a uh, canceling right there. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing that I kind of found extremely fascinating with this world cup, is like the U.S. has really not played very good, but like they they've managed to get themselves through onto the second round. But like it's the lowest points they've scored in group stage, and like all of these things about how they can't score, and like they're getting roasted for it in the media. And I almost wonder if like. It, I, this almost feels like the one like women's sport that like everyone in America actually cares about because like they've been so good that like not being elite elite is like not acceptable to everyone, which is kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, well, and I think um, because of kind of all the like hype leading up to this, like that um, equal pay case and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that stuff, like there is this, you know, real pressure on these girls to win a World Cup. Yeah. And yeah, they haven't been playing very well. Um it, like that's just facts of the matter. If they get it together, I think that they'll, you know, play better and they could win a World Cup, but 
yeah, I think that it's there's a lot of young girls on the team yeah, too I, I that haven't really dealt with problem. that. Yeah, so yeah, that that's a lot of the problem. Is it kind of feels like we got a lot of the old guard still there. You know, your Alex Morgans, your Ross Lavelle's, your Rapinos, but you got so many other. And this is gonna sound bad. I don't really know everyone's name that's like new because I am uber casual on the women's scene scene of soccer. I'm hoping that that will change. I know that the uh, North American soccer women's soccer league is rising in popularity and rising in reach. So I'm hoping that will change as time goes. I wish that the games were a little bit more accessible so I could get to learn them more. But I, I guess that's almost an indictment on the young gals that not an indictment, but like I haven't really gotten to know them because they really haven't gotten to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, I, mean? um, I think uh, like Rodman's daughter, Yes, that's the one. Like a lot of her shots are just like going a little bit wide or not not Mm. quite, you know, on point. But some of that I think is like this is her first World Cup, you know, and I think um, a lot of these young girls just being on that type of stage that normally women's soccer does not have has to be, you know, a change for them. Well, especially for the younger, the younger guard. Probably playing in Australia and New Zealand is probably also just kind of tough to do. Like, you're just playing in a completely different place that you've probably never been to or not yeah. been to very often. So, I... I Plus, I it's, hope. like, winter there. Uh, it is winter there. That's crazy. So it's, like, cold as hell, too. <laughs> like, that would suck. Yeah, I mean... It, it's definitely a weird dynamic. I, I think... For the U.S., if they, if I don't know if you've seen the group, but they play Sweden, and then like Norway plays like Japan, and those four teams over the past like twenty years are like the four most successful teams. So like if they make it out of like that into the semis, I think that could be chalked up as a success. And then if you just like kind of lose in the semis, it's just kind of like well. They ran out of gas because they spent so much time dicking around in group and then getting out of like that little fourteen bracket. So yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but I mean, I think they could still do it. Maybe it's just um, you know, I have a lot of practice rooting for teams that like don't play to their potential all the time. Um, that uh, if they like just start playing better, I know it's easy for me to say, just sitting here yeah, podcasting. Just play better, bro. But like it, it, it is a little bit like if they would just play better, like <laughs> they would be doing better. I mean, realistically, they were what like one, one like lucky goal. I don't even want to say lucky because they looked really good in the second half of the Netherlands game. They're like one of those like attacks working out from like topping that group. You know or like I mean? one offsides call that isn't called. Yeah, like Alex yeah. Morgan times a run like slightly better and gets that goal. And suddenly the US, you know, has two wins. They park the bus against Portugal. They advance on seven points. 
and they're through and they're out of this hellscape of like this 14 little regional that they're in and like no one's the wiser like they're really just one goal against the netherlands away from the narrative being completely different and it looked like they would get that goal for like the final third of that game it just didn't quite happen yeah when i think a lot of that is timing but i think as if they are able to keep playing that timing will happen yeah and so and it really is like i don't know i think it says a lot about the team that they can show up for one half of soccer and almost beat one of the better teams in soccer i think that says a lot about their talent they just gotta you know capitalize now it's it's all there it's all there for the taking and again winning winning three world cups in a row honestly is just it's so difficult because you gotta think even if you have like a 24 year old who's a megastar they're 36 for this run you know what i mean yeah like it's 12 years apart it's not it's not no joke so. yeah yep so we'll be waking up for the women's game then That's yeah for here. sure u.s sweden four four in the morning set on sunday set your clocks yeah, I feel like I have to watch women's soccer, you know? Yep. I watch the Men's support. World Cup games, so I got to support the women. I didn't get to watch us against the Netherlands for the men's side. I was at the Big Bowl title game. <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I, uh... They I won honestly, the Big 12 every year that I was there except my freshman year, but okay. Okay, Sam. I, uh... You know, I got to confess to you, Cody, that started off as just a offhand matter of fact statement and that <laughs> turned into a joke in my head very quickly so <laughs> I kind of forgot who I was talking to at that point in time you know what I get it though if you win a championship the whole point of championships is bragging rights exactly I, I, so. get, I get until unless we somehow win again this year um, I get exactly about what three or four months still of like you know puffing my chest out and beaten my one every 10-year title that I get. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just get kind of desensitized to it. Fuck you. <laughs> hey, December 2nd. Maybe it'll be the last time OU and K-State play. I I have been teetering on the um, brink. Not to like completely bring it back to college football, but this is where you and I do our best work in conversation. I have been on the brink of debating whether or not I actually want to play you in the title game or not. Because if we don't, like either we don't make it or you don't make it or neither of us make it, then I get a hold over the fact that we've not lost to OU for however many days it takes for us to meet again. But I know that if K-State played OU in the title game and we somehow won I would get to hold that over forever. And I don't know which I would rather have. I'm leaning towards the former, but the latter right there, oh, that'd be good. I mean... You wouldn't even care. You would just... Win or lose, you would just leave. So it doesn't even matter. I mean, yeah. Win or lose, there's bigger fish to fry, I suppose. Oh, man. But if that happened, I would never let you live it down, Cody. Uh, You know what? I... 
yeah, y'all are still talking about like 2012, so. Oh man, Colin Klein, what a guy. What a guy. What a guy. All right, Cody. You're the only person on this podcast that I've ever that I will ever be able to successfully talk baseball with because everyone who's <laughs> ever come on here doesn't actually like baseball, but you do. And a bonus, you are also a Red Sox fan like me. So I get to talk to you about exclusively all the trades that the Red Sox made. Yeah, yeah, the Royals traded Barlow to the Padres. I don't care. I I only know what you think about the Kiki Hernandez trade, and I know that you have some strong words for that. So how about you spill the beans and let me laugh at it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Baseball is my one true love, um, even before college football, I think. Uh, but um, it is, I don't know, I like Kike. I think he's awesome. He's funny as hell when he's not, when he's like mic'd up. And um, But I get that, I mean, the Red Sox just don't really need that type of utility player right now. They just traded for a different one. Well, it is interesting because I know that they don't need that. But it also is like, I feel like they didn't get anything out of trading him back. And Kike is what they got out of the Mookie's trade. So it almost is like they just traded Mookie to the Dodgers for literally nothing, um, which has a special type of sting to it, I think. Well, we still have Alex Verdugo. That was the main piece of the Mookie trade, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Jeter Downs didn't work out super great either. So we're kind of down to one guy. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. The Red Sox, what they need is pitching. And they keep yeah, trading for these absolutely horrible pitchers. And then in the offseason, they will trade away their, like, foundational starting pitchers, like Eovaldi. And it's just like, like, they have Pavetta as a starter, and he's totally a bullpen man. Oh, God, it's he's just been so like, good out of the bullpen. He's been doing so much work for me in fantasy baseball. Well, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what is going through their head when they make these trades. I just don't get it. I have a feeling that Duran, I think Duran's going to get traded soon. They have an extra outfielder. He has Yankees written all over him. Duran is so good. I know, I love him. But he has Yankees written all over him. Hate him, please. I know, I can't, though. He's so fun to watch. He's so fast. Hate like I don't know Adam Duvall. Just hate Adam du- or love Adam Duvall. I just love him. Well, that's I do actually. I do actually really like Adam Duvall. All right, good. Put I all mean, your love into him, so that way we get rid of him, not Chair Duran. It is. It's just a really I don't know. Don't like Cassis either. Please no. When it's kind of like these trades wouldn't be like that bad if they were getting something from them, but they're not over and over again. That's kind of been my like big thing too i don't think like any of the actual moves that we make are like wrong necessarily i think the xander move was wrong that was not a good one i think that one i think that one for me is net neutral i think i think i would rather just resign xander and then be for sentimental reasons and then not sign trevor story the previous year yeah. I think when that's what I, just, I would have rather done. When I think Xander 
as much as like his athletic prowess goes, but I think he's like was a real leader on the team. Yeah. And after they traded him, they lost it, and it cle- they didn't have a leader really until Turner. So, yeah. I don't. And Turner's like not a young dude, and I don't know no, that they have anybody own. that's gonna like step up and be like. I know they keep saying that like you know Rafi's the heart of the ball club and stuff, but he has a bit of a temper. He's not gonna be always a good leader in stressful situations, especially in the postseason. Right. Rafi just doesn't seem very vocal, if that makes sense. Rafi's yeah. role kind of just feels like good at baseball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good at baseball and probably kind of funny. <laughs> it, I do think they should mic up players more. Like, that would just be so funny. They keep giving it to Casas on the uh, Nesson broadcast. And, like... I'm just like, man, get to someone else eventually. Because he's like always... Kaz is a weird dude also. Like, every time I listen to him yeah. say something, he's just like, he is such a weirdo, which, like, means he's good at baseball because all, ba- all good baseball players are weirdos. Yeah, that's pretty true, actually. But I think oh. they would give it to Verdugo more, um, except he uh, can't uh, watch his mouth enough for television, which I personally think is hilarious, but, uh, yeah. They should just, uh, they should just do a, uh, like TV 14, like version, just mic it up for Digo. There you go. Yeah. Or like Like, a delay so they can bleep things out. (laughs) I would really need to do, do a delay on him. He is, he is such like a spicy guy. You know what I mean? He is just such a, That dude is the definition of, like, just flair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, what did you think of Mookie in the home run derby? I, so, I still will always love Mookie. It is not his fault that uh, we decided not to pay him, which hurts I my agree. soul every year. It, it, it's not like a Jacoby Ellsbury situation where like Jacoby was one of my favorite players and then he went to the Yankees and it's just like, yeah, that's not good. Like I like you a lot less now. Mookie's is just, Hey, our owner is a cheap bastard and we traded him. So I was yeah. rooting for him, but like, I, I don't think you really, I don't think a lot of people understand like how not big Mookie is. It was funny seeing him walk up. Dude, like, you watch all these other guys, and all these other dudes, like, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", like, 220, and it's like, oh, yeah, like, that guy looks like he did a ton of home runs. And, like, Mookie walks up, and he's, like, 5'9", like, 190, like, thin build. And it's just like, dude, how's this guy going to hit, like, 20 home runs? (laughs) Like, it's just not going to happen. Well, and I, like, he hit double digits, and, I mean, that's honestly a feat in and of itself for yeah, such I a little guy. Me too. Like, I'm being honest. I, I was really, I really appreciated that he did it, because yeah. a lot of the athletes just refuse to go out and, like, open themselves to embarrassment. But, like, Mookie kind of went out there. He knew he wasn't going to, like, win. 
and he knew he was probably going to get killed, and he still went out there and did it. And, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this once, and I can say I did it. And it's kind of like all those dudes who, like, won't do the dunk contest in the NBA because they don't want to, like, get embarrassed doing the dunk contest. And it's like, yeah, Wookie went out and did it, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I just love watching him play. And the Dodgers, I feel like, have kind of a – I don't know. They feel almost like the Red Sox of the West Coast, you know? Yeah. They have a little bit of that, like, attitude, which I appreciate. But uh, yeah, now Kike's over there, so I got to watch him even more. I know. I, I normally tune on Dodgers games when I can to watch them. I was going to look up how big Mookie actually is. If he's 5'9", 190, I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> Man, I got everything on him. You know how old he is when he was born. It's kind of the same thing where he's from, but I cannot find not find height weight. Probably locked behind a paywall. Oogie <laughs> bets height. Can't even get He's five nine. <laughs> was right there. Yeah. Give me 190. Come on. Mookie Betts, wait. 180. God damn it. <laughs> 10 pounds over. If he was 10, if he was 190, he probably would have hit like 25 home runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Cody, I hyped you up as the resident rock expert of the show. We've had a weather expert, had a Denver Broncos expert. We've had your brother on, who is a tournament, you know, putting together expert, I suppose. So I got to know, we need a rock fact before we leave today. I mean, I, one of my coworkers, this, so this will be kind of funny, I guess. So I obviously work like as a geologist, environmental scientist. So all of my coworkers, you would think would be like, they all at least have a degree in geology or some other science. Um, but one of my coworkers is like a crystal girly, which is just like the absolute funniest thing to me. How about we, uh, let's extrapolate the definition of crystal girly because I, I know I understand the jargon because you and I talking up about it, but you know, the two listeners and like the, uh, editor for this will not know so let's give a little <laughs> background to what this crystal girly is yeah so crystal girlies they're like the girls that are like really into you know zodiac signs and like witchy stuff and like they're the ones that think that like holding you know a piece of quartz in their pocket will like make their day better or something like they believe in the vibrations of the crystals i guess is how it was explained to me um <laughs> And you have to appreciate it because they are all, you know, they have rocks on them all the time, which as a geologist, I think is cool, but it is very interesting. It is interesting talking to them for sure. Cause it's just like, I don't know, seeing how just two different types of people, completely opposite people are interested in the same thing. Um, but anyway, so my coworker, she's a crystal girly, which again, as a professional scientist is, a very wild thing <laughs> to also be a crystal girly. Like that is just a very, I don't know. The cognitive dissonance is dissonancing. <laughs> um, 
but uh, she came in with a bunch of new crystals um, this week and was like showing them off and talking about how, you know, they all do different things and basically saying they're all these different things. Um, they're different colors. So she had like amethyst and citrine and all sorts of colors, basically pink and black and whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting because they were all the same rock. Um, they are all quartz. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just, she's was prescribing all of these different um, qualities that these rocks apparently bring to your life. And they're just all quartz. So a lot of rocks come in many different colors, but they're all the same thing. <laughs> well, that, that's a rock fact right there. That fact rocks. Yeah. <sighs> you, so like what <laughs> did she see? Was there, what was there a, uh, benefit what are the benefits that, like stuck out to you did like the blue one do your do her taxes or something or there is like a yellow one it's called citrine um the yellow quartz that apparently that she was saying is it like brings you financial like wealth um what yeah i don't know so she also bought a lottery ticket <laughs> And was like carrying. She had this lottery ticket like folded under this uh, piece of citrine, which is dude. You know. if, if she like never shows up and like she won the lottery, we're like never gonna hear the end of this on this episode. Yeah, no kidding. So, pray it on her downfall, I guess, for this lottery. I should probably <laughs> buy a lottery ticket too, because uh, if I won all that money, I would get to do nothing except retire to my ranch in Montana that I want to buy. Fair. Yeah. Sometimes I have a bad day at work and I'll like buy a lottery ticket on the way home. Oh man. I just don't have like a great gas station on my way back from work. I got like a Casey's, but like I have to like getting into the Casey's parking lot is like such a hassle. Yeah. I, have it, I have to do it from like going on main street and it's just a pain in the ass. Plus, I usually like, stop at the one in Rossville. Off 24. And a special shout out to Rossville right there. <laughs> All the Rossville listeners are going crazy. <laughs> All right, Code. Well, we normally like to end the show here with a couple of hot takes. I don't have one. And I know that I kind of ill-prepared you for this segment. So I guess I'll ask... A prediction for OU football this year, just a record prediction and like a yeah, bowl game or conference championship or whatever. Um, well, I'll start this by saying that I don't make predictions about OU football on the okay. off chance I anger the football gods. Um, so off to a solid start, <laughs> solid start. I also don't. And this is advice for anybody listening. Don't bet on OU football. Doesn't matter which way you bet, you'll lose your money. Okay. Um, we're bringing back gambling for uh, this football season for the pod. We 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 did a three person like parlay, and we did it for like five weeks and didn't win once. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think we. I don't even. I don't even think we like went over five hundred on like what we predicted either. Like I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they were like. 15 picks, and we got, like, 10 of them wrong. Like, we were never right. It was so bad. <laughs> it was, like, bad. That's funny. Yeah. 
Well, I'll say my hopes for the season. I think hopes. They're dreams. My dream is that they go undefeated and win a natty. I think oh, they'll man, win. they'll lose at least one game, I think. Um, hopefully a conference championship. I think this team's got it in them. And hopefully a playoff win at the very least. Um, All right. So if we I'm get here. to the natty, I think we'll win the natty. I'm hearing 13 and two with the conference championship. That, that, that is the Cody Totten seal of approval hot take. That's a legitimate hot take right there. I, would say. I will say it's not actually that hot a take. Cause that is what they normally do. So, well, it's just moving back to average. Win. Yeah. Playoff win. This so playoff win is the, uh, knows. that's the hot take. Uh, that would be yeah. the hot. Yeah. Well, Venables has won playoff games, so yeah. there's that yes. at least. He's won national titles. Brett, yeah. Brett Venables has probably the most national title, FBS national titles for all the uh, North Dakota State fans out there. FBS national titles in the conference, I would say, as a head, obviously not as a head coach, but he's basically half head coach there. I can't think of anyone else who's actually won one. Not Gundy, not Dykes. Dykeson's played for one. I suppose, uh, what's his nut? The uh, Texas coach technically has a half one, like Venables does, but doesn't really count if it's Alabama. <laughs> yeah. You gotta help me out. I can't remember the Texas coach name. Steve Sarkeesian. There we go. That dude was a drunk. <laughs> he is emblematic of what Texas is, I think. Um, that is definitely a football team that is, is it's embarrassing how little they've done with the money that goes through that program, to be honest, like other teams that have that much money coming through are winning natties and they just are losing to KU and shitting the bed. They haven't even won a conference title in ages. Um, Nebraska was at the conference. (laughs) And, like, the one that they went to recently, they literally – somebody got a safety on them in a conference championship. That is so embarrassing. Believe that was was you guys. It was. It was. (laughs) You know. Corner blitzes for the win. About the only thing uh, Motley was good for because he wasn't a good corner. But uh, I just – that's a group that they need to tell their donors to step back because they just – make some terrible decisions. Yeah. I really thought Tom Herman was going to be the guy there. I genuinely believe that. But shows you how much I know. Well, Cody, I want to thank you again for coming on today and filling in for our two slackers, Gavin Gavin and Bean. (laughs) Do you have any final words before we sign off today? Uh, Not really. I guess Boomer Sooner. There we go. Boomer Sooner. To everyone out there who is listening, Boomer Sooner. And we want to thank you also for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, please hit the like button or share on Apple Pod and Spotify, the two places that we put this show, or on YouTube if you are watching live. Just me talking to nothing, essentially. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. The camera's not for everyone. Only, yeah. be- only you know, this beautiful face right here. <laughs> great, great visual for the uh, audience as Cody laughs at me calling myself beautiful. Um, hey. 
<laughs> Anyways, thank you again for listening. Please consider, you know, sharing all that good stuff. Follow us at underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore F underscore F3S on Twitter or X. Who knows what it's called today. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again to Cody. And we'll catch you next time. Peace out.